I have an exciting guest for you today. It's a two-four. This is a fellow entrepreneur that is out there making a huge difference. He's going to share with you how you can improve the quality of your life and really raise the bar. And, and he will we'll even show you how he's done that as well. And in addition to that, he's going to, he's one of the most successful entrepreneurs, uh, really helping fellow entrepreneurs like you and I with merchant accounts. So this is one of the things that we all get frustrated with and we worry whether we're being taken advantage of and you know and boy we might have a, if we have an online business we may have some time where somebody turns it off. So he's got some great ideas on that and some great ideas on how we can live a life full of adventure as an entrepreneur and really make a difference. So you do not want to miss this. I'm John Bowen, co-founder of AES Nation Stay tuned and be remarkable. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com Brad, I am so excited to have you joining me today. It's uh, it's a really amazing opportunity. You are doing some, uh, you know, adventures. I've seen pictures of them. I haven't been with you yet, but I've seen pictures and so on. It's and uh, raising the bar, and then we, well, we met at a uh, merchant account or a merchant account. We met at the uh, <laughs> mastermind talks, Jason Goddard's program, Brad, and. Uh, uh, you know, you were always, you know, you and I were trying to get together and you were already surrounded giving advice on both of these areas. So I wanted to bring you for my listeners here. I appreciate that. It's awesome to be here. Well, tell me a little bit of the backstory of how you got to where you are. Because, I mean, you're hugely successful. You're making a difference in a whole bunch of fronts. Um, let me give you the accelerated version here. Uh, so... Uh, really, my background is I was a delinquent in high school. I got in trouble a lot. Uh, I got arrested I several times. I can't believe that. <laughs> I don't know. You know what's funny about it is that pre-Mohawk, uh, there was a period of my life during business and sales where it would shock people to hear that. Um, now I kind of have readopted the image that makes that clear. Bring well, back I, I'm my really roots. a little upset with you, Brad, that... <laughs> You know, with, uh, you know, I mean, I've got the full set of hair. I haven't shaved anything, and I think you have more hair than I. But, okay, let's get back to now that you're not that much of a delinquent. What are you doing, uh -huh. and how are you? How did you get to, I mean, really being one of the largest, uh, you know, merchant account relationships out there. I mean, you're, you know, that's huge. And then, you know, the adventure that you just launched that you've already had some huge success on. Yeah, so I bring up the delinquent component because I've always been an extremist. And so I moved from that energy going in uh, delinquent efforts uh, to sales. I got into sales when I was 18 into direct sales. Um, and that really, it was about competition. You know, it's about beating people. It wasn't about the money as much as just beating people, uh, but it was a grind. And so I, I did really hardcore direct sales for about six years uh, through college. And I, the last year, I decided that I was tired of transactional um, sales, you know, getting to the point where, hey, 
I'm really pushing hard, but as soon as I'm done, I'm done. So I built a list of things that was really important to me, like residual income, uh, location independent, um, no cap on salary, um, something that didn't tank when the economy went down. And ultimately, I had a mutual friend that had a merchant account company, uh, a credit card processing company, and that fit almost all my criteria, except one criteria, which was the ability to make a lot of money fast. Um, and as a result, I did a bunch of real estate investing through some really rough times, 2005, six, seven, eight, um, to make lumps of money flipping houses. Um, but that all sort of led to uh, the, the foundation of Easy Pay Direct, which was, um, I was sort of, I wouldn't say struggling along, but I was selling merchant accounts for a bank. And it was just one product that I was selling. And I ran into um, a customer that had a real estate education company. So they were doing seminars on how to invest in real estate. Um, and I partnered with him to run the company, to be the COO of the company. Um, and that's where I learned about kind of the risk of merchant accounts. We were selling $50,000 coaching packages. We had a membership site. We did, I think we did 32 events the last year. Um, and we were doing maybe two, three million bucks in revenue. And I bring that up because to some people it's a huge number, to some people it's a tiny number. That's not really important. What's relevant is that it was enough for me to understand what it was like to manage your merchant accounts from that perspective. So I got to know that business model pretty well. Um, and when I left that, I realized, hey, we've got people that are losing their merchant accounts, losing the ability to accept payments, and it happens like that. So uh, as soon as that partnership dissolved, um, I started building software for to really solve that problem, specifically people that have higher ticket items or people that do anywhere from a million to a hundred million online. And that's really our, our core focus, our target market, our offering software tools that help people uh, do that more effectively. But that's the consolidated. Well, no, that's great. And let me, you know, I want to point out a couple of things for our fellow entrepreneurs, because I, I think this is so important, Brian. What I love about what you're doing is, you know, when you decided to be successful, you decided to be successful on purpose. And so often it's so easy to get caught up in all the noise of the marketplace and life. And, you know, none of us get out of life unscarred, but if we don't know where we're going, it doesn't work at all. And so you decided that, you know, be successful on purpose. You got clear on the vision and you found a problem that needed to be solved. And I didn't know it was a problem until I started going to some of the mastermind groups that we're both members of. And, and seeing, you know, the, you know, when a merchant account is shut off, uh, you know, most businesses for some reason need cash flow. And <laughs> so it's, it's no longer a question of the margin of the charge, but, you know, and I, and when I first uh, joined Genius Network and we were both a member then, it, you know, it was just like, wow, you know, this is, uh, this is Joe Polish's group. There's a lot of online marketers there and information marketers. And a few of the guys had been turned off and, you know, and we're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands, in some cases, millions of dollars being held in reserve that, yeah, we're, we're going to pay you, but we're going to hold it for a while and just make sure on refunds and so on. And, oh, yeah. and Brad, I, I, I mean, I saw it was devastating. I saw a couple guys go under over that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those things where, and I talk to people every day that say, oh yeah, we're, we're fine. We've never had an issue. It's not a problem until it's a problem. And then it's a really big problem. And it's the most important thing in your world. 
so, you know, I look at a lot of that stuff and there, there are other elements of it, like improving decline ratios and other things that can enhance your business as opposed to just safeguard it that easy pay Direct does. But just the safeguarding, like there's nobody on the planet that doesn't, well, <laughs> not many people in the country that uh, forego insurance on their home or their car. In fact, it's mandated most of the time because what if, right? And so merchant accounts are no different. It's your business. And if you can't accept credit cards, almost all businesses, if you lost the ability for a day, would be devastating to the business. Um, so that's kind of the cornerstone that we that I started building software in, uh, for with Easy Pay Direct. So, Brad, I want to come back to merchant accounts because this is an area that I've found that is so important. And I didn't know, I mean, I grew up in the investment business and the assets under management and it was a great business because we have all the clients' money, so we just deduct the account. And, <laughs> you know, I, I never worried about receivables at all, uh, type thing. I'm in these CEO groups, everybody's going talking about challenges on receivables. They go, well, don't have any. Uh, but I have learned uh, about merchants. I have a pretty good percentage of our revenue is merchant accounts, and I would notice if it was turned off. The, the idea then, uh, though, but so I want to save that because you've got some great suggestions. You've got some great resources that you can help the fellow entrepreneurs. But I want to go one more step because, you know, you're not a guy that sits around. And uh, when I was asking some of our peers about you, they say, yeah, Brad's doing some pretty amazing uh, adventure trips. Tell us a little bit about how, you know, kind of the evolution to that and where you're taking it. Uh, yeah, so I think that, uh, I think it goes back to me being a delinquent and just wanting to, uh, just being extreme. I'm an extremist. If I'm going to do something, I want to really do it, um, and get good at it. And growing up, it was snowboarding. Um, I started sky, I think I went skydiving the first time when I was 18, as soon as I could. Um, every vertical that I could, I wanted to be, I wanted to go extreme, uh, in, that translated as I got older into more and more intense endurance activities. So um, I, I rode a bicycle from Los Angeles to Boston uh, with a small group of people to raise money for a charity. We stopped and spoke to middle school kids along the way. Um, <laughs> that was a, there were 33 riding days and we averaged a little over 110 miles a day. Um, that was my first real uh, entry into endurance athletics and extreme sports are very different than endurance athletics uh you know being on exercising for 15 hours a day several days in a row is uh, is intense um but it's a different type of intensity than climbing a mountain you know being on the face of a mountain rock climbing or mountaineering mm -hmm. um and what i found uh through my entrepreneurial journey was that i i am enthralled with the lessons that I learned from running a business and creating product and uh, serving a market and solving problems around that. But there's always a moment where I think, my mind thinks, I really need to go on an adventure. And then if I'm on an adventure for two weeks, a month, two months, three months, there's a point in time where I think I should really be in the office. And that was a, a big conflict for me to the point where I thought, okay, well maybe I should sell the company and focus more on figuring out you know what my life path is and i'm not ready to do that there are a lot of things there are a lot of cool things that we're doing with easy pay direct there's a lot of growth that i want to see um 
And so I decided that a better way to do this was to pull more alignment in my life. And that's sort of the mantra of the year for me is alignment. Um, so I started doing these adventure trips with high level entrepreneurs, which are our target market essentially, um, that are intense, unique, and super opulent. So experiences that people wouldn't even craft themselves, wouldn't even think of. Uh, and they're expensive, but the, the core of it is that they're, uh, they're entrepreneurs that have gotten their company to 10 million a year and they are fun to be around. Those are kind of the baseline criteria and fun to be around or interesting to be around as defined by me, I suppose. But, um, it's about creating unique experiences because that's what forges relationships. Um, and that kind of, I, I feel good about those adventures because I do it uh, knowing that we could potentially do business and there's no solicitation there, but it's, it's just surrounding yourself with people that you want to be around. Um, and that's my way of drawing an alignment, you know, pulling adventure into the rest of my world. Yeah, no, it's, it's really powerful. I mean, one of the things that's so interesting in, in my mind, you know, of this is that, you know, we go through life where we're in business, not for more business. I mean, you've got 60,000 merchant relationships, you know, you know, one more isn't going to you know, change your life, but we're in business to support the quality of life each and every one of us has. And that is when you start thinking about, okay, if we're going to be successful on purpose, we've got to design our business to fund the quality of life. And it's not just the money you make, but the freedom to do those things you most enjoy. And, you know, the, the, I have seen some pictures of you, Brad, uh, you know, doing rock climbing and, you know, other than a wall and a gym, I'm not overly excited. I, I have hiked up Half Dome, you know, that type nice. of thing. A nice day hike where there's a Four Seasons at the bottom of the <laughs> hill. Or I did do the uh, Colorado River, go through the Grand Canyon, uh, 14 days on uh, kayaks and uh, uh, dories and rafts. And uh, I did have a satellite phone. And there were a couple of days I did think about, you know what, having the helicopter take me to Vegas with the Four Seasons or, <laughs> you know, the wind or Bellagio. But, you know, all of us have different levels that we want to play. But what we all do enjoy is that adventure. And and how how do you, you know, I mean, this is something that, uh, you know, I, I do. I love cars, for instance. And uh, uh, Jason Gennard, the fellow we met through uh, Mastermind Talks, Jason put together some car events. I went dirt racing with him, you know, a class on that. We're doing it again this year. And in the, in the relationships in those uh, events are, you know, you're, you're never going to forget each other. I mean, it's just, it happens. So, I mean, the, the power, whether you're going to do business together or not, that bringing those people together and having fun is, you know, one of the best things about being an entrepreneur. 100%. And, you know, for me, uh, I, I, I make it, I'm very deliberate about saying that there's no solicitation because for me, it, I'm going to do the adventures regardless. So it's just, it makes me feel better about, you know, uh, being really deliberate about cultivating a very high quality group that could be clients also makes me feel better about spending my weekdays yeah. <laughs> plan, planning adventure trips, you know, like otherwise I had this internal guilt. It's like, what are you doing sitting in the office planning out this massive, ridiculous adventure that you're going on? 
No, but, and, and well, and, and clearly it's for business development. We can tell our partners and our teammates and everything <laughs> else here. No, I do. A, I love skiing. I know you love snowboarding, but I love skiing. And we go, you know, I take 16 guys every year and we go to some exotic spot and go skiing for the week and, you know, have every everything really, it's as luxurious as you can make it type thing. And And yeah, business comes out of it, but that's not the reason to get together. I mean, the bonding... You know, once we get out of schools, you know, and, and you know, teams type things, you know, as entrepreneurs, it's so lonely. You know, you're doing it. You, know, you can't relate. And, you know, going out with your teammates uh, for an adventure thing, probably not the smartest bonding, but going out with fellow entrepreneurs that are having the same challenges and issues and, and having a great time. I've, I've just found that all... I, it always more than pays for itself. The trips are free. Uh, the memories are priceless, and it's just a, a great experience. Uh, Brad, let's let's switch the gear. I'm gonna come back to resources so they can find out more about it. But let's talk about the uh, the whole concept of you know merchant uh, accounts because I want to. Yeah, when you were surrounded, you were you were surrounded actually for both reasons. I, I think more for the trips, but no, you, I mean, so many of the guys that are at that group were, are your clients, and the, you know they they uh, you know the issues around it, and then they're introducing it because they they respect the hell out of you that they you know introduce you for people who are looking at this. Help me a little bit with somebody you know. It's so when I first started doing more and more merchant relationships. I, I had a great you know, private banking relationship with, I'll just say one of the big banks. And you know, they promised they'd take care of me. I was an important client, at least in my own mind. Sure, <laughs> the marketing sure. material said I was. Yeah. And then you know, I, I didn't meet you, but I met someone like you and they kind of said, John, you know, you might be missing a few things. Maybe yeah. help, I, I'm sure some of my fellow entrepreneurs are at that same point. Help us kind of guide us a little bit on some of the big picture of what we should be doing on a basis to make sure we're getting, you know, treated well and that we're not setting ourselves up for some big disappointment down the road. Yeah, so I think that the 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 biggest um, the biggest gap in understanding for specifically uh, successful businesses is that there's an inherent risk associated with credit cards. And most entrepreneurs, myself included, before I got into, actually even well into when I was in the space, uh, don't understand. They think that it's, it's a right to accept credit cards. And they also think, hey, if, if the provider, uh, if I have this account, the more volume I put through, it's better for everybody, right? They're collecting a fee. And while that's uh, true, um, I mean, I'm thinking I should get a thank you card. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you, and you probably should. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in addition, um, the, there's this big risk. And the big risk is that 60 years ago when Visa and MasterCard started, the, what was the pitch? So, so I grew up with the pitch, uh, Visa, it's everywhere you want to be. That was the, the, the mantra of Visa and, Visa and MasterCard. Brilliant marketing message because it put all this pressure on businesses to accept credit cards and it made consumers believe that credit cards were ubiquitous um, But what that meant to Visa and MasterCard if you if you go into their mind They needed to get business owner adoption. They needed to get merchant adoption to accept cards because huge uphill battle, 
right? The introduction of credit cards was, hey, consumers, uh, here's this card. You can get whatever you want and just pay for it later. That's awesome. But the message to business owners was, hey, so these people are going to come in. They're not going to give you any money, but they're going to show you this piece of plastic. Don't worry. We'll pay you in a couple days. Oh, and we're going to charge you 5% to do it. Wait, what? No, that's a terrible plan. So in, in the pitch to business owners then was, yeah, but they'll buy more. And as it turned out, absolutely correct. People do buy more on credit cards. But it took them 60 years to build that network. Uh, today, the there is no longer a push for Visa and MasterCard or Discover Amex to convince businesses to accept cards because you have to, right? Everybody accepts cards. You have no choice. You have no choice. Now, the marketing message in almost all of them goes like this. It's like a panoramic picture of Paris and you hear a voiceover of Bob and Bob says, I was on my honeymoon and my luggage got lost. And all of a sudden I saw $3,000 in charges on my credit card, which was in my wallet. So I called my bank and they said, don't worry about it, Bob, we've got you covered. And that's the message being put out is that the consumers, no matter what, are safe. And what that's translating into is the consumers will dispute charges more quickly. And at the core, um, Visa and MasterCard want to make consumers comfortable using cards, specifically online. So the rules are that at a minimum, a consumer can dispute a charge for six months from the final point of delivery. So if you ship a product to somebody or they download a product or whatever it is, whatever that product is, for the next six months, they could dispute the charge. Now, whether you win or lose isn't uh, the dispute, right? Somebody says, hey, I didn't get what I expected. Um, whether you win or lose isn't as relevant as the fact that Visa and MasterCard keeps score of that. So if you have more than 1% of your transactions disputed on any given month, and this is an oversimplification, but this is the nutshell, um, you run the risk of them just pulling the plug and saying, okay, you can't accept credit cards anymore. And that doesn't matter if you are a, a merchant doing half a million a year or a quarter million a year or doing 50 million a year. Those are Visa MasterCard regulations. And in fact, the concern is bigger when you're doing 50 million a year or 100 a year because it's a much bigger number. 1% of 50 million is significant to any bank. 1% of a quarter million a year, negligible. And so the, there are these different uh, algorithms and benchmarks for risk assessment and when it's a big deal and when it's not. But I think the, the pivotal shift in thinking uh, for a business owner is to understand that you are functionally borrowing the revenue that you bring in until that six months has lapsed, right? Because any of your consumers could dispute it for six months. So that's how your credit card processor and your bank is, they, that's how they are looking at that transaction. So Brad, help me better understand and everyone understand. I, you know, I think of this and I, you know, cause I look out at these, I'm paying, you know, whatever the merchant fees are and it's, you know, uh, and they're giving me a, a day, you know, it's a day arbitrage for that. There's no risk of course, because my clients all love me and they would never dispute <laughs> anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and really in our business, because of what I do is that's pretty much true. I, I think, you know, if we get two disputes a year, um, you know, that's it type thing. And I'm not even sure we get that many. But, you know, in some businesses, you know, it depends on the business and the clientele and so on. Okay. And, you know, what I was surprised is the underwriting that goes on on this. I mean, to me, it's kind of like, OK. I'm willing to work with you. 
what's your best deal? And that's not probably how we should select the merchant account relationships. Yeah, it's very, it's very much not. So a uh, couple things. One, I want to address the something you said just now, which we hear all the time, which is, hey, I don't get chargebacks, right? It, or I run a super clean business. That's awesome. It doesn't change the risk profile for a business. So I'll give you two scenarios here real quick before I dive into the, the latter. But um, one is uh, the, your industry type has inherent risk in it. So for example, you could have no chargebacks, but if you're selling information or you, or you have a transaction, an individual transaction that's more than 2,000 bucks or 1,000 bucks, your risk profile goes way up. Because while your business might be clean, as an aggregate, businesses that do $2,000 transactions or five or 10 or whatever, yeah, much, I mean, much I, more I have 18,000 and $21,500 transactions. I'm thinking, this is such a slam dunk for the merchant. You don't have to do so little. And I, I found out, Brad, what you're saying is very important to him. Huge, huge deal. And you think about it, here's, here's another reason, and this is something that they have to think about. What if you change your marketing model and you say, hey, I'm gonna use affiliates to promote my company. And you could do that a million different ways. But let's say you get one bad affiliate and they drive 10 people to you, $20,000 transactions each, all of them dispute, all of a sudden you're liable for a hundred grand. And the question is, do you have that hundred grand in your bank account liquid to pay that back? Because you don't get to decide, does it get pulled out of my account? Visa and MasterCard say, well, consumers get their money back until we figure it out, right? So that's one, that's, that's a big liability. Um, and, uh, and the other is even if you have what is perceived to be low risk, a bank at any point in time is monitoring their risk as a portfolio, right? So they're saying, hey, we've got all these different verticals, different business types, different product types, different marketing models. Where is the risk for us right now? And they could decide at any given point in time, you know what, we're done doing business in this channel. And we saw that happen recently with um, supplements. So Stripe decided the other day, hey, we're just not interested in doing supplements. And you can go and look at Stripe's prohibited list, which are the things that they, they're not willing to underwrite. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff on there. So that stuff happens all the time with banks all over the place. Stripe, by the way, the bank they use is Wells Fargo, um, which is a massive player. And that relationship, Stripe, Wells Fargo, um, they just decided, nope, we're, we're done doing supplements. So uh, how do you protect yourself, Brad, from that? Because, you know, I mean, do you have multiple relationships? Do you just, you know, keep yeah. an eye on whoever you're working with? Yeah. So you, you kind of hit it on the head. You mentioned underwriting and the so there are two different approaches to merchant accounts. One is something like Stripe or PayPal, where they approve everybody immediately. You can just go accept payments. That's really cool for Stripe and PayPal because they collect fees right away, right? Makes sense. Really cool for a business owner because you can accept right away. The downside is how do they protect themselves from anything that they think is risky? And the answer to that is they suspend your account. They hold money. It's the only mechanism they have to protect themselves. It's not good or bad. That's just the business model. The alter, and by the way, most merchant account providers work that way as well. So you get a, you get a merchant account through Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, most of the big name banks, it's instant approval or fast approval. 
And there are a couple things that they check. They'll do a credit poll. They'll do a couple other things on the back end to make sure there's not huge red flags for fraud. Um, uh, there are, Stripe doesn't even do that, do they, Brad? Do they do a credit check too? I don't think they do a credit check, but there's some algorithmic stuff that they're doing on the back end. Um, you can get an auto decline on the front end with Stripe. Um, for example, we're all uh, required to check like OFAC lists, and there are a variety of things that we have to check from a government uh, regulation perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but most of them, fast approval, and then they worry about the risk on the back end. And it's a, it's a good business model. It just results in really bad situations for business owners that are doing real volume. So my, my approach to that is that's great for vetting a concept or one, until you hit a certain point in your business, then you need to get more serious about it. And the solution is, A, work with providers that do underwriting on the front end. Because the other side of this is, if a, if a provider knows who you are, what you're doing, how you're delivering product, how you're marketing it, they're, they don't have the need to close the account later because they've already assessed risk on the front end. Now, that's not 100%, but much less likely. And now to move closer to the 100% mark, you need to have more than one provider. And there's a very right way to do that and a very wrong way to do that. Um, it's, a, it's, been a, it's been a conversation topic uh, for Visa and MasterCard and the whole processing world because it shouldn't have to work that way. But as a business owner, if you leave all of that risk on one company and they close the account, what are you gonna do? The only way that you can have more control as a business owner is to have more than one account present. Um, well, and Brad, tell me a little bit of load balancing, what that is. You know, that's something you talk about. Yeah, so we built a gateway that's designed to allow you to have multiple merchant accounts and then split the sales volume across them. And we call that load balancing. Um, so you can have 30% of your transactions here, 40% here, 30% here, and it just automatically routes them. And there are different ways to structure that and kind of route them more intelligently. Um, but that's a really important concept because it, if you get two merchant accounts, for example, and you think, oh, okay, well, I'm safe, but you're only using one and your intention is, oh, I'll just have a backup. It doesn't work that way because if you have all your volume in one and that gets shut down and then all of a sudden you turn on all the volume in the other, but you've never had any volume, that provider is going to freak out say, oh, you were doing $0 a month or $1,000 a month. How are you doing 200 grand all of a sudden? What happened? Um, so they're going to have a knee-jerk reaction. So it's important that you're distributing it evenly. Um, it's also important that you don't do it fraudulently, meaning that you're not trying to game your chargeback numbers and say, oh, well, we've got high chargebacks over here, so let's shift things around. That's the wrong way to do it. And that will also, um, that's, that's deemed to be fraud, and you will get put on what's called the match list, which is the industry blacklist, and you can never accept credit cards again, which is crazy. Yeah, which is not good. No. What little I know about merchants accounts, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's not good. Brad, how, how does the industry, um, you know, let's say that someone, you know, one of our peers is listening here, fellow entrepreneur, and is going, you know, I haven't, I've been kind of, you know, I'm running hard in my business, uh, you know, kind of let this go. And how do I make sure that I'm situated well in you know, my, the current relationship, probably most of the people I know have one relationship, but you know, or maybe they have multiple. You know, how how do they do an assessment on that? Um, well, uh, that's tough. Uh, 
the the thing is, so there are a couple things you want to look at. One, the easiest assessment is, did you go through underwriting on the front end, really? Meaning that uh, you didn't get your approval in one day. And if you did, if it just got turned on, how do they know what your business model is? That's your first, just your first flag as a business owner. So if you didn't go through that process, if it didn't take a couple days to get your account set up, they don't really know what you're doing. And that means that you're much more likely to have that knee-jerk reaction. Um, two, uh, you really, you have to find the, the best people to talk to are, are brokers in the industry. And we don't, uh, so Easy Pay Direct is a software platform. We're a gateway provider, and then we also provide merchant accounts. But functionally, we broker merchant accounts through a variety of different banks. We share the revenue with the banks, so there's no markup. So the it's a huge win-win because the business owner doesn't pay anything for the service, and we just split revenue on the back end. The other big thing about a broker is, in theory, if you're working with the good ones, they're unbiased. So Easy Pay Direct, we've got, I don't know, something like 40 banking relationships, most of them domestic, uh, some in Canada, some in Europe, some in the Caribbean. We don't have a driver to push you in one direction. So we're matching the business model with the bank that's best with that business model. So, for example, supplements have been this hot topic in the last year or two for a variety of reasons. But there are only a few banks that want to have anything to do with supplements. Um, and there are only a few banks that will do trial offers that will allow you to have somebody test your supplement or software and then automatically bill it again a month later because there's in, uh, more risk that's inherent to that business model. So, you know, find somebody you trust is really the answer. Um, if, if you trust John, you know, by proxy, maybe you trust Easy Pay Direct. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's so important. Let me go to the next segment, which is resources. I'm gonna pull up your website easypaydirect.com if you're on uh, listening to us on audio and remember everything's at AES Nation the transcription all the links that we talk about you know what are you know are our fellow entrepreneurs going to find when they look at this um, uh, you know your website resources and so on that might help them um, if you go to the blog there's a bunch of good stuff on the blog um, there are a bunch of good downloads uh, the that the realistically, if you are in a space where you think that you need help or it's uh, more importantly, it's is it the right time in your business to assess this component? Because uh, we all know there are a million things going on. So, for example, we um, people generally have a higher decline ratio than they need to. And I have I was talking to one of our sales guys earlier and he was he said, don't doesn't everybody realize that or don't they know that that's low hanging fruit to make money? And I had to talk to him and say, well, as a business owner, you can only focus on so many things. So maybe it's on their radar. But the fact is, there are tons of things you just never get to, right? So uh, my suggestion from a merchant account perspective is if you don't have more than one account, that's the number one thing. And you need to do that now. And you need to prioritize that now. Because if something happens, then it's crisis mode. And it becomes an urgent priority. And those are never fun. So um, if your company's doing more than a million a year, uh, uh, we can hook you up with one of our certified payment specialists. They'll do a full assessment of your company, your structure, your refunds, your chargebacks, your declines, and let you know what we can do to help. Um, other than that, there's cool videos and blogs. Oh, you know, the other thing is we have a, a membership site with these little two to five minute videos um, that I can 
yeah, I can probably just hook your audience up with. Yeah, um, that'd, that'd be great. I mean, there are a bunch of resources with the blog. Uh, and, and Brad, what I want to do too is, you know, now that we've got our business working, we don't have to worry about our merchant accounts and our financing and all that. I'm going to put up the website uh, on your adventure uh, program. And tell us a little bit about, you know, you taking this select group on adventures with you. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's uh, when somebody, when somebody says, what do you do to me? Um, first of all, I think it's a terrible question, but secondly, my response is usually I do a bunch of rock climbing or rock climbing is my adventure of the moment. It has been for the last couple of years. Um, but it's what I'm passionate about. And it's it, what I realized about two years ago, as I was at this fork in the road, trying to figure out um, how to spend my time, uh, I realized that it wasn't it wasn't the thrill of the adventure that was the biggest takeaway for many of the adventures. It was the relationships that I created. And I created these uh, this brotherhood with people. Um, and it got created in an instant. And it did. And so I had to dissect why I thought that was. And what I realized was that uh, it was, a, they were always really unique experiences, right? They stood out in my life as something that I had never done before, at least. And even if it's the same genre, like rock climbing, each one is still unique in some way. Uh, and then the other is that there was this intense emotional engagement because when you are, at least with the physical component of adventures, when you're exhausted, a certain type of you comes out uh, and you interact with other people in a different way and you learn really quickly through that and you connect really quickly. So the adventures that I'm focused on now with, um, we're calling them eight figure adventures right now, we're in the midst of solidifying a, a real brand for them as I get more serious about them. Because um, I've just been doing them personally forever, and so I'm moving into a more formal structure. Um, but I'm kind of mixing them between intense physical stuff and then just unique experiences. Like we're doing a a, a three day thing in Austin in October where we're shooting an action movie, uh, and it'll be a, a few minutes, right? A trailer for an action movie, but jumping out of helicopters, shooting at cars, and making them explode, we're racing Ferraris on the F1 track. None of that, like it's obviously physical, but none of that is uh, prohibitive for most people. Uh, and I want that because I want a balance of people that are nuts like I am and want to climb things and run for a long time and just do that, get their heart pumping that way. But I also want to hang out with the crowd that just wants to do something intense and fun and unique because that also facilitates relationships, which is what it's all about for me. Uh, that's great. And I, I want to thank you because this is so valuable. And let me go last segment here, just kind of the key takeaways that I'm walking away. And what I love about what you're sharing with your fellow entrepreneurs, Brad, is that you know, being successful on purpose. I mean, you're really thinking about it and, and you, know, you know, we've got to have a successful business. We want to make it work and, and, and that's so important, but you know, we're in this for our lives. Most of us as entrepreneurs, we're wired that we're going to do this for the rest of our life, maybe different businesses along the way, but we're going to do it. I, 
I did at 45. I took off, a, you know, try to take off a year. I actually didn't make the full year. My wife just said, go get another business going. <laughs> she got tired of going out to lunch with me and all that and traveling around the world. Didn't want to have an elite level on any airline ever again. But the, you know, this is where we go and we say, okay, what is the life that we want? We're in business, not for more business. We're in business to support the quality of life of all. You know, and our enlightened self-interest ourselves first, but all stakeholders, the way capitalism works, we, got, we have to create value first and then we do exceptionally well. And certainly we can and we can take care of our teammates, our partners, our shareholders, you know, whatever the relationships are. But I also love just, you know, I mean, I, I've got a bunch of notes here and hopefully you do too of, you know, the merchant account. I've learned a, a number of things here today that I'm going to go back. And as soon as we turn off the camera, I'm going to ask you about my situation. You know, this is so valuable. And, you know, make sure, go to Brad's website, you know, uh, check out both the adventure side and the business side, your clients, your future clients, uh, all your partners, strategic alliances are going to be glad you did. Thanks again, Brad. It was great and wish everyone the best of success. Awesome hanging out. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.